Blaise Pascal was a 17th century French mathematician, physicist, and philosopher, a real idiot, right? I mean, wow. Among other things, he also invented an early calculator. He was also very devout in his Christian Catholic faith. I recently read a quote from Pascal that comes to mind on this feast of the Epiphany. That is, there are only three types of people, he said. Those who have found God and serve him, those who have not found God and seek him, and those who live not seeking or finding him. The first are rational and happy, the second unhappy and rational, and the third foolish and unhappy. We see these three types of people represented in our readings during Christmas time. Among the foolish and unhappy is King Herod. He's a lonely, miserable man who pretends to see God, but it's just all an act. But his real concern and goal was to discern what he must do to defend his power and his pleasures in life. And not surprisingly, despite the ability to control so many aspects of his life, Herod was far from happy. He was miserable. In fact, he was a tortured man haunted by suspicions of pretty much everyone around him. For example, because he was afraid of anyone who might step in his way or usurp his vast power, he was extremely violent, even murdered members of his own family, including his wife and two of his sons, prompting the Emperor Augustus to remark, I'd rather be Herod's pig than his son. So yes, Herod, in an extreme way, represents the class of people who neither seek nor find God. Scrooge, before his conversion, is another example, or Mr. Potter in It's a Wonderful Life. At the other end of the spectrum are those who found God and serve him. The two most obvious are St. Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary. During Christmas, we also hear the story of Simeon and Anna, who spent their lives in the temple in the service of God and shared the promise of laying eyes on the Messiah before their deaths. We can also include the shepherds in, ha in the happy camp who seek and find him, unless Herod, who lives in the constant state of fear or anxiety, they live in simplicity and they live in peace. And finally, in the middle are the curious magi who we hear about on this Feast of Epiphany. They represent all the seekers in the world and throughout the world, even in our own time, motivated by the search for truth. They most eventually find it, or in this case, they find him. Magi stems from the same Greek word which we which we, that we derive the English word for magic or magician. They weren't illusionists like modern magicians, but they studied the heavens and tried to figure out the relationship between the stars and what was happening on the earth. And they were onto something in this case because the Magi, also known but today as the wise men, follow celestial signs that lead them to Christ. We don't exactly know what those signs were, whatever it was. It led the Magi to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem, where they arrived at the dwelling of Mary and Joseph. Most importantly, this visit changed them. They stopped being seekers. We know this definitively because the scriptures tell us 
that they worshipped the Christ child. That is, they acknowledged him as God. They gave gifts that represent Jesus' kingship, his divinity, and his priesthood. And finally, they return home via a different route. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. They returned home via a different route. Scripture scholars indicate that this was bigger than just a better map that would help them find an, a, a home and avoid Herod. It was about their interior way. They were different, changed forever. So Pascal provides us with an interesting way to segregate and characterize the characters of the Christmas story, as well as people in our own day, those who search for God and find him, those who are still searching, and those who do not and will never know the Lord for lack of interest. But that's all the further Pascal goes. What I've been wondering is, as a believer, as someone who sought the truth of God and found him in the person of Jesus Christ, just like all of us who have gathered in this church, what is my responsibility to these other two groups of people? Do I have a role to play in the lives of those who are still seeking or those who are so hardened that they don't seek him at all? This is a huge group of people today, some that we call nuns, N-O-N-E-S. That is, they don't think of God or they don't have any need for God, or so they think. Certainly, God can do whatever he wants. He, if he desires to convert a person's heart, he doesn't need our help necessarily. Many of us have heard amazing stories about how God worked in a person's heart, even in the most adverse circumstances, concentration camps, prisons, illness, and poverty, and addiction, and so on. I'm often in total awe of these stories. Yet the reality is, starting from a scriptural point of view, God often prefers otherwise. That is, as Jesus began his earthly ministry, none of the first things that he did was to, one of the first things he did was to recruit the apostles to assist him. And he didn't stop there. He recruited hundreds of disciples. And as we hear later in Matthew's gospel, he sent them out two by two to preach and baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And in that process, they become more converted to Christ. So it's not only about the person that, we are, that needs to be converted, it's about us. The reality is that so many of us were given strong and faithful examples that got us here on January 1st in the evening to celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany as men and women of faith. Think of my grandmother, for example, my parents, my aunt, my pastor growing up, my second grade teacher, Sister Mary Catherine, daily mass parishioners who, by their simple, quiet, yet faithful example, stirred greater faith in me as a Catholic school student. So it seems that yes, we owe something to the seekers and the non-believers alike, realizing that we can't impose faith on them, but we can certainly propose faith by our examples, by our words, by our kindness, by our charity, that we live a better way of living as Jesus taught us. We owe our faithfulness and example. We owe them our joy. We owe them our story and how God changed our lives. 
We owe them our charity. We owe them our prayers. We owe them patience and affirmation as they seek. We owe them what God gave us, which is why we are in this church this evening for Mass. Again, the Magi return to their homes via a different way, having been led to the Christ child via the light of a star. Very often today, we want things to be different in our world. We want things to be hopeful and loving. What if that different world depends on our willingness to return home to our post-Christmas lives via a different route? That is, how are we changed and better because of our observance of this season? And how willing are we to show those changes to others? I guess time will tell.